Section 8 of Five Years of My Life, 1894-1899. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sue Anderson. Five Years of My Life, 1894-1899 by Alfred Dreyfus. Translated from the French. Section 8, The Devil's Island Diary, July 16th to November 4th, 1895. Tuesday, July 16th, 1895. The heat is becoming unbearable, the more because the part of the island where my hut is situated is completely bare. The cocoa palms grow only in the other part, which is unoccupied. I pass the greater part of my days indoors. Nothing to read the silence of death ever around me. And during this time, what is becoming of my wife and children? Saturday, July 20th, 1895. The days pass by in frightful monotony, and I am ever anxiously waiting for a better morrow. My sole occupation is to work a little at English. These are the pangs of death suffered by a living heart torrents of rain in the afternoon followed by a hot stifling mist fever for me sunday july twenty first eighteen ninety five fever all last night constant inclination to vomit the guards seem to be as much depressed as i am by the climate tuesday july twenty third eighteen ninety five again a bad night rheumatic or rather neuritic pains constantly shifting sometimes between my ribs, sometimes locating themselves across the shoulders. But I struggle against my body. I want to live. I must see the end. Wednesday, July twenty-fourth, 1895. I am also becoming melancholy. I never see a kindly face. I can never open my mouth. Night and day my heart and brain are stifled in an eternal silence. Sunday, July 28, 1895. The mail from France has just come, but my letters go first to Cayenne and then come back here, although they have already been read and checked off in France. Monday, July 29, 1895. Always the same thing, alas. Days and nights pass in struggling with myself, in calming the excitement of my brain, in stifling my heart's impatience, in rising above the miseries of my life. Evening, a hot, stifling, irritating day. My nerves are stretched like violin strings. This is the dry season and may last until January. Let us hope that everything will be finished by that time. Tuesday, July 30th, 1895. A guard has just left, worn out by the fevers of the place. He is the second one that has been forced to go away since I have been here. I regret him, for he was an honest man, doing strictly and loyally, and with tact and moderation, the service expected of him. Wednesday, July 31st, 1895. All last night I dreamed of you, my dear Lucy, and of our children. I wait with feverish impatience for the mail that is coming from Cayenne. I hope it will bring me my letters. Will they contain good news? Are they at last on the track of the wretch who committed the infamous deed? Thursday, August 1st, noon. 
The mail from Cayenne arrived this morning at a quarter after seven. Does it bring my letters? Up to now, nothing has come. Half past four o'clock, still nothing, terrible hours of waiting. Nine o'clock in the evening, nothing has come. What a bitter disappointment. Friday, August 2nd, 1895, morning. What a horrible night I have passed, and I must struggle on always and ever. I have sometimes a crazy desire to sob, sob aloud. My sorrow is so overwhelming. But I must hold back my tears. I should be ashamed to show my weakness before the men who guard me night and day. Not even for an instant am I alone with my grief. Ever and I suspiciously watching me. These trials wear me out, and today I am broken in body and spirit. But I am going to write to Lucy, hiding my condition from her, to inspire her with courage. Our children must take up their careers with heads held high, whatever happens to me. Seven o'clock, evening. My mail has been in for some time, but they have just brought it to me. No new developments as yet, but I shall have the necessary patience. The machinations of which I am the victim must be discovered. It must be so. I can still suffer. Here are a few extracts from my wife's letters, which I received on the evening of August 2nd. Paris, June 6th, 1895. I am waiting with the keenest anxiety for some letters from you, to reassure me as to your health, of which I hope you are taking good care. The boat arrived on the 23rd of May. It is now the 6th of June, and your letters have not yet reached me. Each time the postman comes, it gives me a new start, a very useless emotion. My thoughts are all for you. My life is bound up in yours. Paris, June 7, 1895. While writing you, I have just been interrupted by the arrival of your dear letters. From your energy, I draw courage for myself. It is you who sustain me. On the other hand, that I can live thus separated from you and tormented by cruel suffering is because my hope is boundless and my confidence in the future absolute. My longing for you is so imperative that I have made a new appeal that I may go and share your exile. Thus I should at least have the happiness of living the same life as you, of being near you, and of proving my great affection for you. I pass hours in reading and rereading your letters. They are my consolation while waiting for the happiness of meeting you again. Lucy When I saw what my condition of life was to be at the Ile du Salut, I had no illusion as to the answer to my wife's requests to come and join me. I knew they would be consistently refused. Continuation of my diary Saturday, August 3, 1895 I did not close my eyes all night. All these emotions overcome me. To have afflictions thus heaped upon one unjustly, and to be able to do nothing, nothing to remedy them. Sunday, August 4th, 1895. I have passed two hours, from half-past five to half-past seven, in washing my clothes, towels, and dishes. That sort of labor tires me out, but it does me good all the same. Ah, uh, I mean to struggle all I can against the climate and against my torture. 
before giving up i must know that my honor is again acknowledged by the world but how long the nights and days are i have received no magazines for two months and have nothing to read i never open my mouth i am more silent than a trappist i had them ask in cayenne for a box of carpenter's tools that i might occupy myself a little with manual labor this has been refused me why another riddle which i will not try to solve for nine months i have found myself face to face with so many enigmas upsetting my reason that i must stop thinking and try to live unconsciously monday august fifth eighteen ninety five the heat is becoming terrific and my spirits are inexpressibly low crushed by the weariness of these past nine months saturday august tenth eighteen ninety five i do not know how far i can go my heart and brain cause me so much suffering and this dreadful tragedy so unhinges my reason all my belief in human justice honesty and righteousness has completely forsaken me in the light of the horrible facts if i then succumb and these lines reach you my dear lucy believe that i have resisted all that it was humanly possible to resist be courageous and strong may our children become your comfort may they inspire you to do your duty when one has the testimony of his conscience that he has always and everywhere done his duty he can bear himself at all times and in all places with head erect and claim as his right what we claim our stainless honor monday september second eighteen ninety five for a long time i have added nothing to my diary what is the use of it let us hope there will soon be an end to this i am so utterly weary yesterday i had a fainting fit my heart all at once ceased to beat and i felt myself unconsciously drifting away without suffering exactly what it was i have not been able to determine i am waiting for my mail friday september sixth eighteen ninety five still i have no letters are there words to express the torture of such suspense happy are the dead and to be obliged to live on so long as the heart shall beat saturday september seventh eighteen ninety five letters have this moment come the guilty person has not yet been discovered a few extracts from my wife's letters received on this date paris july eighth eighteen ninety five your letters of may and of the third of june have reached me they have done me immense good it seemed i heard you speak that your dear voice sounded in my ears something of yourself had come to me at last your noble and beautiful thoughts were reflected in my mind to say that i did not weep when i received letters so impatiently awaited would be a falsehood but i saw with intense happiness that you had become master of yourself again you are upholding us all your example fortifies us in the task that we have set for ourselves i was touched to the depths of my soul by the letter you wrote to our pierre he was enchanted and his childish face lighted up when i read your lines over to him he knows them by heart when he speaks of you he is all aflame paris july tenth eighteen ninety five 
I again urge you to have courage and patience. With unflagging purpose we shall surmount all obstacles and attain to the truth of the mystery that imposes on us such tragic humiliations. It is my one aim, my sole desire and fixed idea, as of Matthew and of all of us, to give you the supreme happiness of beholding your innocence blazoned forth to the world in the light of day. I will succeed in unmasking those who have been guilty of so monstrous an iniquity. If we were not ourselves the victims of this horrible crime, I would not believe that there could exist men cowardly and perverse enough to rend from a family its pride in its stainless name, and to allow an officer in every way above reproach to be condemned, without their consciences forcing from them a cry of confession. Lucy. Continuation of my diary. September twenty-second, 1895. Palpitation of the heart all last night. Consequently, I am very weak this morning. Truly, one's mind becomes perplexed in dwelling on such deeds. Condemned on the evidence of handwriting, it will soon be a year since I ask for justice, and the justice I demand is the unmasking of the wretch who wrote that infamous letter. We are not in the presence of commonplace crime, of which we know neither the particulars nor the ramifications. In this case they are known, and so the truth can be discovered whenever an honest effort is made. However, the method matters nothing to me. What bewilders my mind and reason is that they have not yet succeeded in clearing up this horrible mystery. What a life for a man who placed no one's integrity above his own! Death would be a blessing, yet I have not even the right to think of it. September twenty-seventh, 1895 such torment finally passes the bounds of human strength. It renews each day the poignancy of the agony. It crushes an innocent man alive into the tomb. Ah, I leave the consciences of those men who have condemned me on the sole evidence of a suspected handwriting, without any tangible proofs, without witnesses, without a motive to make so infamous an act conceivable, to be their judges." If only, after my condemnation, they had resolutely and actively followed out, as they had promised me in the name of the Minister of War, the investigations to unmask the guilty man. And then there is a way through diplomatic channels. A government has all the machinery necessary to investigate such a mystery. It is morally compelled to do it. Ah, human nature, with its passions and hatreds, with its moral hideousness. Ah, men to whom compared with their selfish interests all else matters little. Justice is a good thing when there is plenty of time and nobody is inconvenienced. Sometimes I am so despairing, so worn out, that I have a longing to lie down and passively let my life ebb away. I cannot by my own act hasten the end. I have not. I shall never have that right. The misery of my situation is becoming too unbearable. It must end. My wife must make her voice heard, the voice of the innocent crying out for justice. If I had only my own life to struggle for, I should strive no longer. But it is for our honor that I live and must struggle inch by inch to the end. 
bodily pains are nothing heartache is the terrible thing september twenty ninth eighteen ninety five violent palpitations of the heart this morning i was suffocating the machine falters how long has it still to run last night also i had a fearful nightmare in which i called you loudly my poor dear lucy ah if there were only myself my disgust for men and things is so deep that i should aspire only to the great rest to the rest that is eternal october first eighteen ninety five i no longer know how to write down my feelings the hours seem centuries to me october fifth eighteen ninety five i have received letters from home always nothing from all these letters rises such an agonized cry of suffering that my whole being is shaken to its depths i have just written the following letter to the president of the republic accused and then condemned on the evidence of handwriting for the most infamous crime which a soldier can commit i have declared and i declare once again that i did not write the letter which was charged against me and that i have never forfeited my honor for a year i have been struggling alone in the consciousness of innocence against the most terrible fatality which can pursue a man i do not speak of physical sufferings they are nothing the sorrows of the heart are everything to suffer thus is frightful in itself but to feel that those who are dear to me are suffering with me is the crowning agony my whole family writhes under punishment inflicted for an abominable crime which i never committed i do not come to beg for grace or favors or alleviating assurances what i ask is that light revealing and penetrating light may be thrown upon this cabal of which my family and i are the unhappy victims that i live on monsieur le president is because the sacred duty which i have to fulfill toward my own upholds me otherwise i should long since have succumbed under a burden too heavy for human shoulders in the name of my honor torn from me by an appalling error in the name of my wife in the name of my children oh monsieur le president at this last thought alone my father's heart the heart of a loyal frenchman and an honorable man is pierced with grief i ask justice from you and this justice that i beg of you with all my soul with all the strength of my heart with hands clasped in prayer is that you search out the secret of this tragic history and thus put an end to the martyrdom of a soldier and of a family to whom their honor is their all i am writing also to lucy bidding her to act on her side with energy and resolution for this cruelty will in the end destroy us all they tell me that i think more of the suffering of others than of my own ah yes assuredly for if i were alone in the world if i allowed myself to think only of myself long since my tongue would have been silenced for ever it is the thought of lucy and my children that gives me strength ah my darling children to die is a small matter could i but know before i die that your name has been cleared of this stain a few extracts from my wife's letters received by me in october paris august fourth eighteen ninety five 
I have not the patience to wait for your letters before writing you. I need to speak a little with you, to draw near to your noble soul so tried, and to draw from you a new stock of strength and courage. Paris, August 12, 1895. At last I have received your letters. I devour them, read and reread them with a greediness never satisfied. When shall I, by my solicitude and my affection, be able to efface in you the remembrance of the atrocious days of this haunted year, which has left in our hearts such deep wounds? I wish I could triple my strength to hasten the time so anxiously awaited, and to show to the whole world that our honor is untarnished, despite the infamy with which they have sought to besmirch us. Paris, August 19, 1895. When I wish to lessen a little the nervous anxiety of waiting, to cool the fever of my impatience, I come to you and thus renew my composure and my strength. What breaks my heart is to think that you must bear alone this awful suspense. You are torturing your mind to clear up the mystery, while your poor heart and your upright conscience cannot realize such infamy. Lucy Continuation of my diary. October 6, 1895. Awful heat. The hours are leaden. October 14, 1895. Violent wind. Impossible to go out. The day is of terrible length. October 26, 1895. I no longer know how I live. My brain is crushed. Ah, to say that I do not suffer beyond all expression that often I do not aspire to eternal rest, that this struggle between my deep disgust for men and things and my duty is not terrible, would be a lie. But each time that I fail, in my long nights or in my solitary days, each time that my reason, wavering from so many shocks, finally asks how, after a life of toil and honor, is it possible I should be here, then, when I would close my eyes to hear and think and suffer no more, with a violent effort I regain the mastery of myself and cry aloud, You are not alone. You are a father. You must stand up for the good name of your wife and your children. And I begin again with new strength to fall, alas, a little further on, and then begin again. This is my daily life. October 30th, 1895. Violent heart spasms. The sultry weather takes away all energy. This is the changeable weather preceding the rainy season, the worst period of the year here in Guiana. Night from the 2nd to 3rd, November 1895. The mail boat is in from Cayenne, but there are no letters. I believe it is impossible to express the keen disappointment one experiences when after anxiously waiting during a long month for news of one's dear ones, nothing comes. But so many arrows have pierced my heart for more than a year that I can no longer reckon each fresh wound. Yet this emotion, to which I should be well inured, since it is renewed so often, has broken me so that although I rose this morning at half-past five and have walked at least six hours to calm my nerves, it is impossible for me to sleep. November 4th, 1895. Terrific heat. Over 45 degrees centigrade. 113 Fahrenheit. 
nothing is so depressing nothing so wears on heart and mind as these long agonizing silences never hearing human speech seeing no friendly face or even one that shows a little sympathy end of section eight